Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. This is part two of our discussion on keys to being living proof of Jesus' call to make disciples based on the book and the material from Jim Peterson of the same title, Living Proof. So the wonderful thing is, um, you know, as someone comes towards Jesus, eventually there is that time when they cross the line, uh, what's called uh, somewhat of a harvest. The harvest, you know, when Jesus talked about, you know, the, the fields are white as unto harvest, that means that there, there's been things going on out in the fields, but now it's it's time to gather the harvest. And and, and, and that's what life in the body is all about. We, we celebrate. Um, uh, I heard someone who once said, churches are not holy huddles. They're, they're houses for the harvest, uh, where, where we gather those who are, uh, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, this is where we pick up the crops. And, and, and uh, you know, obviously a harvest is when someone makes a decision of their will to, to turn their life towards Jesus and, and to allow him to uh, to lead and guide and and to save them from their sins, but also uh, lead them uh, forward into the future. Oh, yeah. And I would, again, back to that decision submission thing there. Yeah, there's a decision, but it really comes down to submission. Yeah. And for me, the line, yes, evangelism is a process. We talked about that with Engel in moving, moving, moving Christward. But for me, the line is repenting, believing, and following Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's what that looks like, and it's it's captured so beautifully in the picture of water baptism. Yeah, and that, that it, scripturally it captures that all that idea of turning to God, dying to your old self, coming to life, trusting in Him completely, and following. That's that's what we're looking for as as we engage in evangelism, bringing people to that place, and then that's the you know that is not the end. Yeah, exactly. That then moves into growing to maturity. Yeah, and and part of the uh, maturation process is that people understand that um, their coming to faith isn't the end of the experience. It's now um, we go out and and we start cultivating and sowing uh, with other people as well, and and that's the work of discipling and disciple making, where we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So, mm-hmm. so 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 based on what I've said, uh, you know, we must make the first move towards those. Who are spiritually lost around us, and, and we do this. And you've mentioned this a couple times uh, already in this podcast. We do this by establishing common ground experiences in in the lives of those around us, and mm-hmm. it's in sharing common things that usually aren't religious or spiritual. Uh, they're, they're just common things in life. But but it's in those common things that we actually build friendships. Mm, absolutely, and that you know a principle I learned years ago, TV Thomas, I believe. The way to have a common interest with anybody is to choose to be interested in something they're interested in. Yeah. That yeah. we can choose. We can choose to have a common interest. But there's things we're already doing just to kind of harness them for evangelism and, and disciple making. I, I was engaged for years in Toastmasters. I went okay. to three different, at least three different clubs in different communities. Saw people come to faith in each club, not always directly through me, but in part because of me. The relationship got them seeking and some cases they'd be saved in other contexts. Some cases it'd be with, you know, meeting with me, but it was pr- pursuing that common interest of developing speaking, but it can be anything at all. It can be quilting. It can be canoe and it can be, you know, almost anything at all can be a common interest that builds that cultivating stage. And we, we are in a way adapting to people, like Paul said, becoming all things to all men to save some. 
That's right. I guess one of the legitimate, um, perhaps, uh, concerns in uh, lifestyle of Christians is that we're so busy in the church that we don't have time to develop our friendships outside of the church. And in the big picture, uh, I got to admit, um, you know, I got five grandkids now and busy at work. And, uh, you know, apart from the neighbors on either side, uh, there's not a lot of intentionality going on in terms of creating friendships on the things that they're interested. I usually see what they, they have in common with me and try to get them interested in me. But this actually is uh, looking at it, um, the polar opposite view. Uh, do we ever take time to really find out what is important mm -hmm. to our neighbors? Um, so uh, th this summer, uh, the neighbor on the one side, we have a giant uh, cedar tree in our front lawn. And with cedar trees, the uh, grass under it dies as it grows. Mm -hmm. So now the dead grass is on his side of the property line. There's no fence. <laughs> So uh, my friends Zahir and I and my wife, we, we were talking over the summer, we got to do something because it's just going to keep expanding. Now, that was a common interest, and it was literally common ground, ground under the tree. Uh, but you know what? The neat thing is, is because of that, just something so simple, we worked on it together. And actually, he ended up doing more work than we did. And, and now, you know, we've uh, cultivated the soil and we, we sowed grass seed and we've watered and now it's looking pretty darn good. And we thought we were going to have to spend hundreds of dollars to get the professionals in. But, but that, that's a point of interest. So, so when you develop a common ground interest with someone else, that always becomes a point of reference, a mile marker in your relationship with them that you will reflect upon. And it will remind you that you have something in common with someone other than just uh, what's going on at church this weekend as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got a neighbor here who, you know, we both hunt and we've never hunted together. We've never done anything except talk outside our front doors. We're in a fourplex. Yeah. But we have the same gun, <laughs> the yeah. exact same gun. But we hunt the same things. And it's given us a real common ground that is going to be, I believe, you know, the avenue to relationship and ultimately the avenue for the gospel in his life. Just yeah. having that common interest. Okay. So if we are going to get involved in the lives of others around us, uh, my, my next thought is this, that, that we have to live uh, with good and consistent testimonies of what it means to be in the light, as it were. <laughs> uh, when people look at Christians, sometimes they get mis mixed messages. You know, they're one way on the weekends and they're someone else during the week and it sends mixed messages. And we talked about this in, in previous uh, previous podcast about, you know, we cannot be spiritual chameleons where we're always changing our color to fit in. Now we have to connect. We have to be in the world, but not of the world, which means we, we bring our own distinct uh, identity. And, and that's what being light in a dark world is all about. And uh, as we live consistently, we have to make sure that there's just our lifestyle is flavored with unconditional love and grace, forgiveness and truth. And, and we stay away from, from judgmentalism or moral righteousness. And, and that's a work that we have to do in our life. I, I spoke about this word, get rid of the plank in your own eye. Um, and so uh, this really is setting the stage for us to be entrusted by the Lord, to go deeper with someone in a spiritual uh, conversation. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's not about being perfect. You know, I've, I've never heard a non-believer complain that Christians weren't perfect. I've heard them complain about, you know, ethical issues and, and financial issues, but never imperfection. And so it's really about being authentic, but being authentic, living in grace, 
Yeah. You know, living in a way that when we do mess up, we go back to God and we mess up in relation to people, even maybe our neighbors and our friends, we go to them and make things right. And just being grace-filled people yep. uh, who, who can rest in, in, in Christ's perfection, even though we're imperfect. I think that is really one thing that goes a long ways here. And it does protect us from being, you know, getting up on a moral high horse and judging people who believe quite differently than we do. Yeah. And so when we start engaging those, uh, try to consistently live what it means to live as light, which is really means you live a life with a bit of a difference, people are going to start watching us. And then they're going to start wondering because, again, the Holy Spirit, who's drawing people towards Jesus, uh, there's going to be questions. And, 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 and we're going to be asked, like, like why, why do you do what you do? And, and things like that. And at this point, uh, Peterson would suggest that, that we don't say, well— um, you know, that, 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 that's what we do at our church or denomination. Or, no, I can't do that because Christians don't do that. Uh, rather than that, we, we have to try to communicate that the authority that we live under is through a relationship with Jesus. And also, uh, we live under the authority of, of what the Bible teaches. Um, because that, that, that's, you know, in our belief system, that's where we get our understanding of of our faith and our practice. Mm. And, and so um, we're, we're, we're under the influence of the authority of Scripture and the example of Jesus, who we are called to imitate. Oh, yeah. And, and by pointing to Jesus and Scripture, it does help us differentiate ourselves from some of the caricatures of Christianity out there. Yeah. You know, where, where it's not about this denomination. Well, if we're linked to denomination, the denomination messes up. Well, then that that doesn't, you know help our witness a whole lot. But really, if it's about the person of Jesus as revealed in scripture, as revealed by the work of the spirit, that gives us a great reference point. Like I, I, I will often, you know, say in, in teaching about this, that, that basically if someone's conduct is off, if my conduct is off and it's different than what Jesus modeled example and called to, it doesn't damage Jesus in That's people's right. minds. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I think that, that distinction you've made here, you know, between denominations or even, you know, labels for movements, whether evangelical yeah. or fundamental or whatever. Yeah. It's about the person of Jesus. He's the litmus test. And we need to keep pointing people and bringing people back to him and ourselves as well. Yeah. Now, at sometimes, you know, there's going to be that awkward moment when someone asks us to do something that, that we, we don't practice uh, as part of our faith. And at that point, we, we have to come up with, with graceful responses so it doesn't uh, create it looking like we're good, they're bad, uh, you know. And so we have to learn how to say no at times gracefully. Uh, so we need to come up with answers to life's challenging questions that, that honors God and also people's choice to differ from us. And I, I think, you know, right now, even within the church, uh, you know, everyone should get vaccinated. Well, no, people have a choice. And, you know, there's strong views on that. But there's not a lot of grace uh, in the conversation that I hear in these days. It's it's one extreme or another, and and that's within the family of Christ. Just just yeah. let alone those outside of of um, a relationship with Jesus, and and they, and they they see within the church um, this and that going on. It, it's very confusing for them. But personally, uh, we have to come up and and I've practiced this with people in the past. Uh, like I, I don't drink alcohol. Um, you know, many do, and that's fine if that's their choice. But, but I, I come up with um, graceful responses so it doesn't feel like uh, I'm judging them by by what I'm saying. Mm. 
Yeah. And I say there's a mindset here too, Tim, that, that we don't expect quote Christian behavior from people who aren't believers. That's right. Like why in the world would they believe what we believe and act the way we act if they don't, you know, if, if they're not on side with Jesus. So we can't expect that and we can't hold people to that. Yeah. And, you know, we've got to be very careful that we train any people we're working with not to measure and judge people based on Christian standards because right. some of those are part of the subculture. The other, the other aspect of that you alluded to already, and I think we've talked about this before, is that we need to figure out and learn how to disagree with people and still love them yep. and still communicate love inside the family of God and outside the family of God. Yeah. We've got to learn to disagree and still communicate love. And, and there, we've got a lot of growing to do in this area in our evangelical Christian subculture, but we got to figure it out because we're not going to agree with a lot That's uh, right. of things going on. And if that becomes a relationship breaker, well, then the, 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 the gospel avenue gets broken as well. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, over the years, I've had some people saying to me, oh, I just, I've been praying for this person to get saved. And, and uh, what happens if they move away and they aren't saved yet? It, it's like, you know, we, we've got this agenda, this stopwatch. Uh, and so I simply say, we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is the one mm -hmm. who basically is drawing a person at, at the speed by which they can uh, really understand, perhaps, what is being put before them. Maybe uh, deal with some of the bondage and junk in their life to be mm -hmm. able to be able to understand. But uh, I don't think it's not our role to deal with their behavior. Uh, that's up to the Holy Spirit, which takes off again the pressure of judgmentalism, but also of just trying to force. It's like you know, forcing a sale. You know, you've only got so much time. What happens if I move or they move or? No, like that, that's looking at this from the wrong dimension. Uh, this is all about the Holy Spirit drawing people, slowly wooing them to Jesus. And we simply allow him to do that. And we're spectators many times to what he's doing. Oh, yeah. And he's far better at it than we are. You know, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know we, we can sometimes we think, you know, I you know was in churches even as a younger child where it seemed like that evangelism was about behavior modification, getting people to act a certain way as opposed to being transformed by God's grace and by the gospel. And we've got to be very careful that we keep the gospel and the work of Jesus front and center here and, and recognize that change comes from encountering Jesus and, yeah. and bringing that forward as opposed to our list of do's and don'ts as believers. Yeah. Well, I've got a, three more things here. Uh, and one is, is that uh, never, I'm realizing, man, I've learned more about disciple making the last five years and uh, I'm just a little over 60 than I have the rest of my life. Uh, and we all say, well, it is never stop learning, but you can never learn enough about what it means to follow Jesus, uh, this imitational lifestyle we have, because we always have to sort of reinterpret it in a changing culture. And so we always need to be learners. We're always in the process of applying what the Bible is teaching us. And we aren't trying to be perfect. We're just trying to be real in day-to-day -day life. Hmm authenticity yeah you know for for you know across the board but younger generations in particular is absolutely essential yeah you know without yeah. with and, and that's you know it's interesting where there's been some you know big falls of uh, yeah. high profile believers uh, in different ways and what people point out often is not that they fell so much as that prior to falling they were so hard on people who'd fallen in the same way yep exactly you know? And, and while they were actually practicing whatever they were getting after people for, and it's the inauthenticity that really, um, you know, breaks things down. But again, if we're, if we're imperfect, but pulled by grace back to Jesus, I, that, 
that's what's called for here. That's right. Actually, I'm going to finish off with one more and then, then open it up, Darren, if you have any other uh, closing comments. But we have to realize that, that no one by themselves has all the gift, gifts it takes to reach the lost. Uh, you know, all the pictures in Scripture of, of the, uh, the family of God, well, the family, the body, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the, the branch, a fruitful branch that's connected in John, 5, uh, John 15. Uh, you know, in Peter chapter 2, it talks about living stones are being built together. We need each other. We need to learn from each other and we need to pray with each other. Uh, for those, and also, you know, maybe somewhere down the road, we can do another podcast on just the power of meeting with three or four people rather than just one on one. So we all learn like triads or quads. We, we learn from listening together. Uh, because that, that's how God has created us. Like he himself presents himself as a triune God, you know, three persons. And this is a model that we realize that sometimes if there's one other person, a believer, and, and we befriend someone together, it's amazing how sometimes it goes more smoothly because uh, we can be a little more at ease because we don't have to have all the answers and we listen to each other rather than always being put on the spot, as it were. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I've just started uh, sharing with people that personal evangelism is not individual evangelism. In other words, as we're engaged in evangelism as, as personal with our friends, it's not just about me because there's a principle I, I sure call the seven and seven principle that says that a person needs to hear the gospel multiple times, typically, before they respond, but they also need to know several genuine believers as well. There's that sociological side. Yeah. And so the way the way we actually reach people is in the context of relationship where we are included in their friendships and they're included in our friendships, and they hear different people's stories. They hear the gospel many different ways. They have examples of other people who are following Jesus and and the grace of God flows through that. Personal evangelism is not individual. It's a team, team effort for sure. Yeah. So those are the points I had. You know, we've sort of backed up the truck. We we sort of look at the journey ahead. Anything that uh, intuitively you want to add or is missing to our conversation today, Darren? Well, well there is one point we've kind of hit it a couple of times in different ways. And that's the issue of of making space for people in our lives. Right. And I came across this. It's part of the philosophy of ministry of a church in, in Winchester, Indiana. And, and their philosophy says, we will purposefully inconvenience ourselves and our personal agendas huh. if it provides an opportunity to share with another person how they can have a relationship with God. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and and it's, it, it's, it's, it's great. And, it's, and you know, I show people, they're all over it. But what I found is, Tim, even if you're a vocational minister, yeah. if you're going to share the gospel, you're going to have to lay your agenda down and your conveniences and your plans and be prepared to adapt, you know, to create some space to spend a little extra time outside talking to the neighbor, you know, to, to helping them out, to maybe asking for help. And it's sometimes it's small inconveniences, but those things add up. And that's, again, how the gospel goes forward. Yeah. Well, well said, and that, that might be a good place to, to stop. There's a lot to reflect on. Again, if you want this list, uh, you can just email me, Tim Beadle, at imakedisciples at gmail.com, and I'll uh, send you a, uh, a list there, and uh, we'd love to do that. But um, uh, this has been, been good for me, again, just to back up the truck and, and again, walk through uh, the various different steps of what it means to become a disciple maker for Jesus. 
Thanks for leading us through that, Tim. That's some outstanding thoughts. And again, just a reminder, there are some amazing resources out there that are completely relevant and helpful today. And uh, I'll maybe put a, a link as well in the show notes for yeah. explaining how they can access this. And uh, we'll be back again. That's right. Uh, with Disciple Making. And uh, thanks for joining us, folks. God bless. And keep being disciples who make disciples. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.